Are you ready for the word this morning? Hey, well, let's uh, have a word of prayer over this before we start. Uh, Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would just show us the wonders uh, that you have stored up in there for us. Uh, God, you didn't have to reveal yourself to us, uh, but you chose to, and you chose one of those avenues and methods uh, th through your word uh, that has been passed down to us that we hold in our lap today. Lord, we're th so thankful for it, uh, that we can know you and know you more, uh, to know your goodness and your mercy, to know your will and your way. And Father, I pray that as we open it, it opens us, and Lord, that, that you encourage us and edify us and build us up. Uh, in your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, I, I want to just mention and, and say um, how thankful I am uh, for, for all of all of you, uh, this church, our church family, uh, the, the support uh, that we've had um, over the last few weeks and months as, as we've been going through this transition. Uh, your prayers and encouragement and support and willingness to serve has just been a huge blessing. I don't get emotional except stuff like this. Um, it's been really good. I mean, there, we, we've had a few technical issues, things that have caused us to get on the roof and other things like that. But even in that, there, there's been five or six people saying, hey, what can I help with? What can I do? Let me do it. Let, let, me, let, me, let me try to work on that. And that, that's just been a big blessing. And as I was meditating on that, and, and, and you'll see why as we get more into the message, um, I was reminded of a quote by Charles Spurgeon uh, talking about the church. And what he said was, if I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should have never joined one at all. Uh, and the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been perfect any longer after I had become a member of it. He said, still imperfect, uh, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Uh, and, and that just ministered to me, and uh, the, the Holy Spirit used that to launch me into uh, what I want to share with you today, which is about uh, community. Community um, is something that, that, that joins us together. And if you look at just a definition wise, what is community? It means people that, that live close to one another uh, or that have something in common, right? They have common attitudes. They have common interests. They have common goals. And one thing that I've learned about myself and, and about just people in general is community is something that we crave, right? It's something that we not only want to be a part of, but it's something that we, we deeply need to be a part of. Uh, we want to be accepted. We want to be appreciated. We, we want to be engaged. Uh, we, we want to know one another, and we also want to be known. And in that knowing, we, we, we find such a uh, great satisfaction to be known and yet still accepted, right? Because when people don't know us, if they accept us, we're hesitant because we think, well, if they really knew me, they may not accept me. But, but to be known and also accepted uh, is something that we need. Uh, and again, we, we may resist it at times because it doesn't always feel safe 
but when we do enter into community uh, in any aspect, uh, it's a blessing to us. And we usually push through that awkwardness and that weirdness of it but because we want it so much. And so for an example, if you walked into a room and there's 100 people in there and you knew four of them, where are you generally going in that room? To one of the four people that you know, right? Because there's a connection there. There's something that's connected you and you know that there's an immediate acceptance with them where there may not be with someone else. And you may be one of these super extroverted people like, I go in a room and just talk to everybody. Well, and you may do that, but still you're going to gravitate to the people uh, that, you, that you know. And I'm going to do that because I know that they're going to receive me. So again, community is, is when you have something in common, when you share something. And usually what we refer to it as, well, this is the community I live in. I have something in common with these people. We live in this same general area, right? Uh, maybe it's you know family. We, we share a common uh, ancestry or heritage, genetics. Uh, you know, maybe it's that we share interests or hobbies. You know, you've seen these conventions that they have that seems to be a very, very narrow interest. You know, maybe it's people that really love Star Trek. But all of them come out and they all come together because they, they're a part of that community. They share that interest. And that's whether it's, you know, I've seen these different conventions for Star Trek. I've seen one where they make pies and they have a pie making contest. And I want to go to that one. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, sports or other things. We, we see people gather up around these common uh, uh these commonalities in their life. We, we, we both like this. We are both like this. We, we are this way. And so that's something that joins us together. And then you have uh, the, the greatest community uh, of all, which is the church, right? And if you just think about what God did uh, when he created the church uh, in Christ Jesus, if we remember, God created everything. Sin entered the world and separated us from God, separated us from Him. And then He started out just by taking one man, uh, Abraham and his wife, who had no children, and said, I'm going to take this couple who have no children and who aren't a family, they're, they're just husband and wife, and I'm going to create out of them a nation. And He did that, and it grew in, it grew in number, and it grew in influence, and it grew in um, uh, power, right? And all the way up until the time of Jesus. And we, and we talked about this, and I'm not going to dwell on this part uh, long, but, but even then, even when that family, that community grew, it was still just in that small part of the world, that corner of the world, that land, uh, that's where they were. And before Jesus came, if, if, if we weren't Jewish, or if you weren't Jewish, you, you may not have been treated poorly, but you wouldn't have been brought close, right? You, you wouldn't have been able to be a, a true part of the community. Uh, but when Jesus died, and, and we'll see this in the text, which I haven't forgot about. We're going to get to the word here in just a second. He, he, he died for all of us to make a people out of not a people, to make a community out of not 
uh, community, and that's probably not the best way to say that. But when, when you look at the church, and not just individual churches, because if you look at individual gatherings, you, you can see those commonalities, right? Well, this is a church for people that live in the Camden area, so it's generally just going to have people from the Camden area in it. But when you look at the church uh, worldwide, the community that we're a part of, people that we share very little else with, we share this very important thing with, and that connects us with people all over the world across time and distance, across interests and vocations. What else could bring this group of people together other than Jesus? Amen. So let's look at it this morning in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. And I'm going to read through 21, so we're going to read a little stretch here. Uh, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view and how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Um, Amen. Marty hit on some of this Wednesday night, and it was really good, and I I just couldn't get away from it. Uh, So we we jumped. Obviously, last week we were talking about uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, and and we know this is a jump to Corinthians. It's several years later. uh, The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at uh, Corinth in Greece. So you can already see how that community is spreading uh, throughout the ancient world there. And in verse 11 and 12, he says, we work hard to persuade others. And the reason he's saying that and that they are doing that is that we understand that there is an end to this life. That's what he just talked about in chapter five that we didn't read. There's an end to this life. And at the end of this life, there's a judgment that we'll give an account to God for what we did uh, with Jesus. And so will everyone else. And that motivates us to share the good news of the gospel. 
and, and he said, you, God knows that when we're delivering this message to you, he's talking to the church at Corinth, that we're sincere. And he said, I hope you know that too, because when they're coming in with this gospel message, at first it was weird to the people. They didn't understand it. It didn't make sense, but they couldn't get away from it. It, it was drawing people in. At the same time, it was, it was inflaming other people just to see the gospel go out in, in the beginning right after uh, the, the, the time of Jesus in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, sending out the apostles. To, to see the way the church grew during that time and the community of faith was developed is, is a very interesting thing. But again, it was, it, it was weird to them. And it, it didn't seem, he said, sometimes it, they didn't take us seriously. But when he says that, he said, God knows that we're sincere. And I hope you know that too. He said, your, your, your conscience and your inner man knows that there's something to this, even though you can't wrap your mind around it. Paul saying, we really do care about you. And, and he says, I'm not just saying this to look good in front of you. What, I, what I'm saying is I want you to have an answer to these others that are coming in and, and talking about their spectacular ministry without having a sincere heart. And, and I was like, whoa, we, we could spend a lot of time there. But, but he's saying our heart is sincere towards you. We're a part of the same family. We're a part of the same community. I want the best for you. I'm not like those that are coming in and saying, oh, look what we're doing. Look, look what is going on. Look how spectacular our ministry is without a sincere heart, without that communal connection. He's saying that's dangerous, but what we're doing is coming to you in sincerity. God knows we're sincere. And he said, I believe you in your heart know that we're sincere as well, that, that we have this desire uh, for you to see and know Christ. That was Paul's heart here. As he's saying, my, my desire isn't for me to look good uh, or for me to be applauded, but that you would see and know Christ. And, and I'm, we're, we're going through this part so we can get to the, the, the peace on community here in just a second. I wanted you to see this uh, context that it was in. Verse 13, he says, If it seems that we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Sometimes our community can seem a little bit crazy to those who are not yet a part of it. He said, it may seem like we have lost our senses, but if we have, it's because we've gotten too close to God. And he says, if we seem overly serious or overly sober about these issues, it's for your benefit. And he said, I hope that you'll hear me. He said, we've seen and experienced God, and that can make us seem strange to just the natural mind. And he said, we, we can seem overly serious, but that's only because we know what's coming and we know what awaits you if you're not ready for it. And then in verse 14, he says, the love of Christ controls us or compels us or overwhelms us. It drives us. It's, it's what pushes us. It's what propels us. It, it's what keeps us. All of those things are tied up in that one word. And then it says, we believe Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. And this is what we talked about last week. The story of the cross. And, and I'll paraphrase the quote from uh, John Stott when he said that um, the essence of sin is when man substituted himself for God. And the essence of salvation is when God substitutes himself for 
man and we sinfully put ourselves where only he deserved to be and then he in his great grace put himself where we deserved to be, right? And, and what Paul is saying here is that we believe that Christ died for all uh, and that word in the Greek means all. That's what Brother James, that was one of his. It says all there, and that word all means all. It means all. All. Christ died for all. And so you see how expansive that community can be, that all can potentially experience salvation, be saved through Christ's great gift. He said, because we believe that, we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all who come to him have died to their old life. And see, this is one of the first things that joins us uh, all together and that makes us a community. Because remember, a community is a group of people that has uh, at least one thing or multiple things in common. And one of the things uh, that we have in common is that we have the same Savior. We have the same Savior because there's only one. See, other things may help us. Other things may benefit us. People may help us, but there's only one who can save us, right? And that's Jesus. Whether we know him or not, he's the only Savior. Whether we receive him or not, he is still the only Savior. And it doesn't mean that everyone will receive him in this gracious salvation, but he is the only way to salvation. And it says he died for all. If you look back in verse 10 of chapter 5, it says that at the end of our life, at the end of all things, there's going to be a judgment and we're going to stand before him and we will be judged for what we did with him in this life. And at that point, it's either innocent or guilty. It's either come in or go out, right? It's either one or the other. But while we're here, while we're here in this life, there's a huge difference because when we call out to the Savior from a broken and a contrite heart for the salvation that only He can provide. He doesn't go to the book and say, now who is this calling? Let, let me see. Oh, that's Stephen. No. No, because Stephen did this and this and this. Right? He doesn't go to the book when we cry out from this from right here with our heart broken and knowing he's the only one that can fix it. When we cry out from here, he doesn't evaluate us. He doesn't say, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? What do you have? What's missing? What can you do to benefit the kingdom? What have you done to make the kingdom of less value? He doesn't check the book. Amen? And that's what Paul's saying. He died for all. And this is such a big thing. When we cry out here, he, he doesn't check our qualifications. And when we get there, there's one thing that he's looking for. Are you in Christ or not? Because those that are in Christ, those who have received the grace that was poured out at the cross, enter into his presence forevermore. Amen. But when he checks it here, when we, when we call out to him here in darkness and in sin and in need, that big crying ball of need that we talked about last week that we are, he doesn't look at our qualifications. He looks at the cross. Christ died for all. 
Anyone who he died for will receive that free grace when they in faith look to him and call out. And that's something that brings us together as a community. We have the same Savior. And so the second thing that brings us together as a community is very like the first one. We have the same Savior. And the reason we have the same Savior is because we have the same condition. So let's look at verse 15 again. And I'll read a little bit there. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, and you caught that right, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view and how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. He said those who have received his new life, it's going to begin to replace their old life. They won't be living for themselves, but instead be living for him who died and was raised for us. And he said that's why we can't measure one another and we can't evaluate one another strictly by, uh, from a human point of view. It says we, we once did that with Jesus. Paul evaluated Jesus from a human point of view. And look what he said in the New Living Translation. He said, at one time, we looked at Jesus just like a human would look at another human, but how differently we know him now. And he's saying because of that, because he set that example, we can't evaluate one another just on all the human characteristics that would normally draw us together in community because what he's saying is the old life is gone and the new life has Come, So stop looking at the outside. Jesus changed, right? And he changes us. And when I say he changed, what I mean is he, he revealed to them he wasn't just a human walking the earth. He was, in fact, the son of God, the savior of the world. And so they, they saw that change at the resurrection. And that same change happens on the inside of us. The old life fades and the new life Rises, And you can see that language that he's using. They, they leave the old life behind. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new person. There, there's a leaving of the old life and the new life is, is offered. And why? Because it needs to be. Because the old life isn't good. The old life is hard on us. The old life is not what we needed. The old life, in fact, was killing us. Right? From the inside out. It was rotting us from the inside out. So that's the second thing that, that brings us together is we had the same condition. We had this old life that wasn't doing for us what we needed. And that, that joins us together is that we had the same condition. We have the same Savior. Our, our condition was that sinfulness, that living for ourselves that, that it talks about here in the text. And, and what does that look like? What does that look like when we live for ourselves, it means I take the desires that I have on the inside of me that, that are right and good and should steer me towards God, and I try to handle them on my own, right? I look at myself and I go, I shouldn't be here. I should be here. So I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to make myself stronger. I'm going to make myself smarter. I'm going to get where I, I feel on the inside that I need to get because I have a drive for, for, for perfection on the inside of me, but I can't get there, but I'm trying to do it on my own, right? That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do when we realize that doesn't work is we go, you know what I need? I need somebody else in my life, right? 
I need that perfect relationship. I need, you know, that, that one who my dreams are made of. I need that one who just sets my heart on fire. I need that, I need that one, right? Then everything will be good. That's what I need. I don't need to be by myself. I need to have someone else. And then we get with that person and we realize that doesn't work either, right? Because they're just as broken and as messed up as we are on the inside. And they were hoping we would fix them. And we were hoping they would fix us. And both of us are still broken. And so that's the second thing we try to do living for ourselves. And you can see all the things are, are things that God has given to us that worked rightly under his leadership and his blessing are, are the most fruitful things we can have. Uh, for example, marriage or, or family. I mean, it's one of the most fruitful things we can be involved in, but when we do it absent from him, the brokenness just yeah. amplifies. And so then we go, well, you know, there's a lot of good stuff and maybe I just need to have more experience. I need to see the world or I need, I need this. I need to make more money or I need to get a better house. I need to get a better car. Th this is what I need. This is why I'm not happy because I'm here and I shouldn't be here. I should be there. And if I was there, I would be happy because the people over there seem to be happy, Right? And so we begin to say, I, I, what I need is more, I don't need God, but what I need is more of his stuff, the stuff that he created. And again, right and good things, but leveraged the wrong way. And we try to accumulate and we try to experience and we try to seek pleasure and we just keep coming up empty. And every time we get there, it's like, well, I was back there. And when I was back there, I thought up here would be really good. But now that I'm right here, it's like, this isn't where I need to be now. I need to be up there. And then the other thing we can do is we can come into a community of faith and we can hear the teachings of the Bible and we can try to apply them to our life without making him Lord over all. And so we take the teachings and we take uh, the, the principles that, that he's laid out and we try to leverage them selfishly and accomplish it in our own life without acknowledging our brokenness before him and letting him come in and make us new. And that's why you can just get burnt out on even doing the right thing, even serving in the community or working for charitable organizations, all these different things you can burn out doing something that should have been good and should have been good for you, but it, not in right relationship with him. Again, the Bible calls it living for ourselves. And it says, that's the part that needs to die. That's the part that we need to do away with and receive the new life from him. All of these things, again, in verse 17, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So that's another testimony that we need a new life because the old one living for ourselves will kill us from the inside out and make us miserable. And thank God he made that possible in the, the translation that you may be more familiar with is if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation that old things have passed away and behold, all things are created newer. The old life is gone and look, the new life has come. And in verse 18, it says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So it's a gracious gift. It's something that we did not Deserve. And it says, he brought us back to himself through Christ. You see all, the, all that you did in that? <laughs> Not much in there, did you? You're there. But he brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. 
So all of those things that we feel like we have to work up and we feel like we have to do and we put all of that on ourselves, he's like, no, that doesn't work that way. It's Christ in you. That's how you ended up back here. Why would you try to do it any other way? He brought you back to himself through Christ. When we were part of a different community, that self-seeking, self-promoting, self-deceiving, we were deceiving ourselves. We were part of that community, trusting in our own strength, our own wit, our own guile, our own wisdom, our own talents, our own abilities. When we were doing that, that heartbreak of a life, afraid alone, responsible for ourselves, the gift of God brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. So we have the same condition. That's one of the things that joins us together in community. We have the same Savior. That's the primary thing that joins us together in community. And then the the third thing we'll talk about today that joins us together is we have the same mission in community. And, And Marty again brought this up Wednesday night. We have the ministry of reconciliation. So let's look at that. It says, this is all a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We have the same Mission. It says God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. And so when we hear that word reconciling, I mean, we've got a great example for it just in normal life when in a marital relationship there's been conflict and there's been something happen and there's separation, right? But then when that's, when that's worked through and we learned about forgiveness last week, what, happens, what has to happen for forgiveness to take place, there's a reconciliation, there's a coming back together. There's, I wrote it down this way. It's moving the fight out of the way. Whatever it was that caused that contention, whatever it was that caused that separation, you move that out of the way. And, and that's what Christ did for us. He moved that fight out of the way between us and God, moved that enmity out of the way, moved that offense out of the way, it returned us to favor with God. So there's forgiveness. We have to endure uh, the the initial suffering and then we endure the the suffering of not pouring out that payback on someone else. And then that that moves it out of the way, just like we learned about the cross. That reconciliation said, you've been reconciled and now God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. It says God was in Christ reconciling you to himself. And now Christ is in you reconciling the world to him. It says you've been given this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. We go on his behalf to say his message and declare his gospel. It says pleading 
come back to God, that God appeals through us to others that we do it on Christ's behalf when we say, come back to God. That we're walking in... And how do we, the things in our life that, that shine that light are righteousness and humility and love and grace. And when these enter into situations, the world goes, what in the world is this? This isn't right. It's, it, he said, if we seem like we're out of our mind, it's for God's glory. And the world will see these things and go, this is, why would you do that? That's crazy. Why are you like that? That's crazy. Why do you hold that viewpoint? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But yet they still can't shake that down here it does make sense. Up here they can fight it, but in here it sits. And I actually read an article last night about a young lady giving her testimony. And she said, I, I, when I uh, be, began to grow up, I had these viewpoints and I had these urges and I began to give in to those. And I, because of that, and I knew Christianity didn't approve of that, I thought that all Christians were stupid and bigots and that they were awful people and that they, that, that they didn't love. But she said, when I got into college, I, I couldn't shake this curiosity about Jesus. I, I, in my mind, the church were mean and they didn't want me and they didn't love me and they didn't like me. She said, but I couldn't shake this, this curiosity that I had about Jesus, she said she was in a dorm room, uh, another student, and she saw on the bookshelf a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And she, she said she had secretly been looking stuff up online about Jesus. <laughs> Living in sin, but looking up stuff in secret about Jesus because she didn't want anybody to know that she was doing that because she didn't have a very high opinion of the church. And so she sees this book, Mere Christianity, by C.S. Lewis on the shelf. And she said, I didn't even want to ask if I could borrow it because I didn't want people to know that I was curious about this, so I stole it. <laughs> she stole it and she read it and she, she said, I, I was just torn up inside because I realized that there is actually a God and, and that he does have standards and that I'm not meeting those standards and I didn't know what to do. And she said, I found a student group, like a Students for Christ group, a Christian group on campus and she said, I just began to talk to them and ask them questions. And she said, they were so loving and they were so welcoming and they were so helpful to lead me to Jesus. That curiosity that she couldn't shake is the same thing we experienced when the Holy Spirit just wouldn't leave us alone. And she said, I knew that when I came to Jesus, I was going to have to give up these other things. And that bothered me for a little while. I was like, well, I'm going to have to give these things up. That's going to be real inconvenient. I'm not going to have this anymore. It, but she said it got to the point where he was better than what she was giving up. And she said, I had struggles and I had to make uh, you know, decisions and I would make wrong decisions and I would go back into sin in the, the community of faith. She's like, every time I realized I had made a mistake, I would come back and they were so loving and they were so welcoming and they would help me and they would teach me and they would pray with me and they would support me. I didn't mean to get off on that, but it just blessed me to read that. And that's stuck out to me so much when we're talking about reconciling and having the ministry of reconciliation because when that's going forth, the, the, the word in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not my witness, right? My presence, me being there, God will use that to minister to others, but the gospel itself is the power that's working in people. I don't have to white knuckle get somebody to the altar. 
I may have to pray with them. I may have to endure a whole lot. I may have to love a whole lot, forgive a whole lot, overlook a whole lot. But the gospel is going to work in them because it worked in me. (laughs) Right? And it says he's given us this message of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. And now Christ is in us and he's reconciling others to himself. And we get to be involved. We have this wonderful message of reconciliation. So when, when we're able to exhibit these Christ-like characteristics that otherwise aren't in the world, people can't shake it because the Holy Spirit's already working in them even if they don't want Him to and even if they don't like it because that sinfulness is trying to push back against it. The light always prevails. And so as we're involved in these situations, our, our plea is going forward, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And it, and it can be offensive to them at first, and we felt that, and we know what that's like. And sometimes it doesn't mean we always need to stay real close in the situation. She said, I would, I would get separated, and I would go off, and I would, I would be in sin again, and then I'd, I, I would come to myself, and I would come back to the community of faith. It says, our plea is return to God. Come back to Him. And how is He able to do this? How did He reconcile us to God? How is He able to reconcile others? And then we see in verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. Through Christ, So we plead, come back to God. And this is the power that funds it. This is the power that brings you back. You don't have to get it done. But you're a part of the community that surrounds. Amen. We have the same ministry, the same ministry of reconciliation, ambassadors to the world, and also in our own community. Because this reconciliation to God, we, we, it moves the fight out of the way and it brings us into favor with God, but the other thing that, that community is going to do is not just at the point of salvation, right? Because we're born again, but when a baby's born, that's not all that there is, right? We're, we're still weak, and we don't know very much, and, and, and we need support, and we need strength, and we need help, and we need the community of faith to, to, to come around us and help support us. Community is God's answer to our remaining weaknesses, because we can join together. The Bible says, uh, carry one another's burdens. You, you strengthen me to be more faithful. Because if I was by myself, it would be much more difficult. God has blessed us by putting us in the community of faith to encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, teach older to younger and younger to older because we're all a part of the same community. And, and as we grow, and, and we mentioned it Wednesday night, we, we, we see that our condition begins to line up more closely with our position with Him. Because with, with Him in Christ, we move from a position of complete unrighteousness to complete righteousness. And then we're seeing that worked out day by day, little by little, in the ordinary life that we're living. We see ourselves moving further away from where we were and closer to where we'll forever be in Him So that community that he's joined us together in, we have the same condition, we have the same Savior, and we have the same mission. Christ included everyone in his death 
so that everyone who receives him can be included in his life. And we are more alike than we are different. We came from the same darkness. We saw the same light. And now that same light shines from the inside of us out so that others will see and know. And a large part of that is discipleship right here in the community, right here in the community of faith, growing together, encouraging one another and strengthening one another. So as we were finishing this series on Jesus, I just thought like we talked about Jesus the person. We talked about Jesus the work. And then now we're moving to talk about the body of Christ that he's brought us into. And again, the the quote from Charles Spurgeon, which I, I won't flip back and read the whole thing, but we'll just paraphrase it and say, he said, if I had waited till I found a perfect church, I never would have joined one. And if I had joined it, I would have spoiled it. It wouldn't have been perfect anymore because it had me for a member. And he said that it may not be perfect, but it is the dearest place on earth for us. See, we're not perfect. This isn't the church of the perfect people. It's the church of the perfect person. We're not perfect, but we know who was. Amen. And thankfully... He has bid us to come close. So the body of Christ may have a lot of imperfections in it, but the body of Christ is also perfect. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the community that you get to be a part of? Stand up with me this morning. Andrew's going to come and we're going to sing together as we go. Be in prayer this week. Uh, Again, for uh, Scott and Chelsea and their family, uh, for uh, Sue's Kitchen. Like I said, we, we've committed uh, to do this. I believe that it's a, a, an opportunity that God has put in front of us that we, 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 we can't uh, ignore and that we should take seriously, right? We, we could just say, we're going to fix some casseroles, we're going to cook some green beans, we're going to say hi, we're going to say bye. But God may have more work that he wants to do than that because we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Be in prayer for our Fort Lookout outreach this week. Even if it's just a few minutes a day, just putting that before God and going, God, I want you to do something big there. I want you to do something big through us there. Uh, God, reach, shine the light that we saw that changed us, changed us irrevocably. Couldn't forget it if I wanted to. God, do something big. Let's let's pray big prayers and then be ready to step in as a community of faith and watch what God will do. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing together. Father, thank you so much that you, you called us to pursue you, God, but you didn't make us do it on our own. God, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the community of believers that we get to be a part of God out of out of nothing you created something and you made it powerful both in us and through us power going out to reconcile others to you what an amazing thing you've set up what an amazing thing you did you were in Christ reconciling the lost to you and now Christ is in us and that reconciliation continues that we would see the heartbeat of Jesus 
that, that beats also on the inside of us, and that's that the, the wrong be put to right. And I thank you that you empowered the gospel to do that, just like the testimony that uh, we, we, we meditated on a few minutes ago. God, that when your spirit starts working, we just can't shake it. And I thank you that you didn't stop. You didn't stop when we resisted. You didn't stop when we doubted. You didn't stop when we ran, but you continue to pursue us, to reconcile us to yourself. And I pray that you will give us the same perseverance and the same long suffering with one another. God, as, as we're uh, calling people, pleading, come back to God. God, and, and in, the, in the fellowship of believers, we're discipling one another and growing stronger every day so that we can more closely resemble the, the, the one that came for us. I think that as we leave today, God, we, we leave in unity uh, together with one another. Lord, that we're strong in you and in the power of your mind. Uh, Lord, that as we prepare these outreaches coming up this next week, Lord, you prepare our hearts, that you minister to us so we can minister to others. God, as we draw close to you, you're going to draw others close to us so that they can benefit from the relationship that we have with you, God, and there be changed. I thank you that your people are blessed, fruitful, and multiplying, filling the earth to subdue it and have dominion. God, that your kingdom come and your will be done in us, through us, and around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. All to Jesus I surrender all. To him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken take me Jesus take me now. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, oh, all to Jesus, I surrender now. I feel the sacred flame, oh, the joy of full salvation, glory, glory to his name. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee. My blessed Savior, I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender.
Savior, I surrender. 